Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And I always love how the Holy Spirit just ties everything together, makes plans even better than we could ever make as leadership and staff and pastors. And the whole whole theme of, of this day, this morning, this time is obedience, is, is the breakthrough by being obedient. And as we wrap up this study we've been in for several weeks now, uh, actually this is the third and final week uh, from the book of Haggai, little Old Testament prophet, we come to a, a culmination of, of how this whole thing ends with, with this people that God chose this prophet to speak to and through to them. So uh, today we're in exciting times just as they were back then. As a matter of fact, I believe we're in some of the most exciting times in the history of this planet. Being alive and here on this earth in these last days to be a light, to be that remnant, to be that people that still holds up the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ our Savior is the most exciting thing that I could ever think of. So in this day and time, we are called to live lives of obedience. And man, it's easy to say. That is so easy to roll off the tongue, that word obedience, that word obey, but carrying it out and living it out, I'm telling you what, something you already well know in your life, it is not that easy all the time. Sure, it's easy with the easy stuff, right? Those easy, simple things in life that we are to obey and kind of follow through with and, and all that good stuff, it's, it's easy. But when it comes to the hard things, that's when the rubber meets the road. And that's where these people were that Haggai is, is speaking to in this day and time. They had, they had been as slaves and God freed them and called them back to their, their homeland. And he told them to rebuild that glorious temple that had been destroyed that Solomon once built. And as we, we looked at a couple of weeks ago, they got a start on it. But what happened? What happened? They, they began to listen to those people. And when they listened to the opposing voices, then discouragement set in. And then they got distracted. They, they started working on their own what? houses, their own homes, and, and they got lost in that. And the Bible tells us for 16 years, they did nothing, nothing to be obedient in what God had called them to do. Today, for just a few moments, we want to wrap this up by talking about the blessing of obedience and the breakthrough of obedience. I've seen people for years in ministry and in and, and, and my day and time that, that just kept hitting the wall, kept hitting the wall, and couldn't understand why there was no breakthrough in their lives in those tough things that they were dealing with and that they were stuck in. And what it boiled down to was simply this. They were not willing to obey all the way. There was something that we like to call conditional obedience. You ever heard of that? Conditional obedience? I mean, it's just we'll, we'll obey when it's convenient. We'll obey when it's easy. We'll obey when, when it feels good. But when it gets really difficult, that's just like this word right here. There are some easy things to do that this word tells us to do, right? And then there are some hard things to do that this word instructs us on. Some really difficult and challenging things. And so we like to, to gravitate towards the easy, and we kind of run from the hard, and remember in week one, we talked about that God is calling us to always do the hard, right things. Amen? 
And that's a big part of obedience. And, and, and a lot of times that conditional obedience is, is something that, that we, we like to, to just say, you know, I'll go this far, but, but don't ask me to go a step further. I've heard it said in many, many times, Pastor, I can do this, but I just don't think I can do that. And, and I've, I've looked people in the face and I said, you know what? God doesn't give us the opportunity like Golden Corral does, throws out this buffet and says, hey, you can pick and choose. How many of you like green peas? I can't stand them. I can't even stand to smell green peas. But, but they, they put them on the buffet sometime, and when I go by, I just go by. I don't touch them. I don't even want to look at them. And so what I do like is macaroni and cheese. What I do love is corn. What I do love is, is steak and gravy and mashed potatoes and all those things. But green peas, no way. So I just steer clear of those things. Many times we treat God's word and his commands in the same way. That this is a, a buffet that we can walk through and, and we can ladle out some mashed potatoes and gravy because we really love that. And we can get us some fried chicken because, man, that's some good stuff too. And, and we get the things that we like, but those hard things we run from. And so, so many Christians today, I believe, are struggling because they live a life of conditional obedience. That I will obey as long as it makes me happy. I will obey as long as it's comfortable to me. I will obey as long as it's something that I feel good about. But when it gets hard, when those commands aren't easy, then we want to run away from those and say, well, that's just not my thing. I'm going to tell you something. That's not what we're dealing with here in God's Word. You see, some very interesting questions were asked in chapter 2. And, and they may seem kind of foreign to us, but beginning in verse 12, we're going to see how God talks about the corrosive power of sin in our lives, just as he dealt with them in this day and time. And we're going to see how God shows very clearly to his people what I've described as that corrosive power of sin. This is what Haggai does. He says, if you remember earlier, God's people turned away from God and they worshiped idols. Their hearts were not with God at that point in time, and they put their own houses, as we said, ahead of God's house. And so God tells Haggai, the prophet, to ask the priest some questions. Now, let me just say, these questions sound very, very strange at first, but I want to kind of unstrange them for us today, and, and they're going to make total sense. In verse 12 of Haggai chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, he asked the priest this question. If one of you is carrying some meat for, for a holy, from a holy sacrifice in his robes, now think about that. What if you went home, grabbed some steaks out of the fridge, put them in your shirt, and you were carrying them to the stove? Kind of odd, right? I mean, that, that doesn't make sense. We don't like to touch and all that kind of stuff. And, but that's what the priests did in that day and time. They, they had this little fold, this little pocket that they would carry the sacrificial meats in and, and take to the altar. And so he says, so if you're doing that and, and, and you likely touch something accidental, like you, you bump into uh, uh, a little bit of oil or, or uh, uh, some bread or something like that, he says, you're carrying the meat to sacrifice in your robe, and you brush against some bread or some stew or some wine or something, other kind of food, anything that is not considered holy. He asked the question, what would happen in that situation? The question was, will what you bumped into become holy also? Because this was the holy sacrifice you're carrying in the fold of your robe and you accidentally hit something else with that. Is it going to make that particular item holy? 
And the priest knew the answer. The priest said, no, no, it's not. In other words, holiness doesn't rub off like this. Now, a modern example would be something along the lines of, you know, I clean my hands, and my hands are clean, and everybody's washing their hands right now. Amen? If you weren't before, you are now, or at least I hope you are. So if I clean my hands, and then all of a sudden, I go to clear the dishes from dinner at home, and there's dishes with spaghetti sauce all over them that we just consumed, and it was delicious because our spaghetti is awesome out of a jar named Ragu, and, and, and all of a sudden, I grab up that plate that has spaghetti sauce on it, and I touch it with my clean hands. Let me ask this question. Is my clean hand going to make that dish clean? Really? Wouldn't it be nice if it worked like that? You didn't have to slave over the, the, the sink and get the suds out and all that. I mean, it would be great. But what will happen, that spaghetti sauce is going to do what? It's going to make my hands unclean. So now all of a sudden a strange question becomes, becomes something that, that makes sense. And he goes on in verse 13, Haggai asks, if someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead body, you touch a dead person and now they're unclean. This makes you unclean. And then if that person touches any of these foods, will they be defiled? And the priest answered, yes. So what's he doing? He's basically showing what sin is like. And sin is like a disease. It's corrosive. It spreads easier than holiness. You, you ever thought about that? Sin spreads a whole lot easier than holiness, unfortunately. It's that corrosive, corruptive power of sin. And Paul said it this way in the New Testament. He said, bad company corrupts what? Good character. Bad company corrupts good character. He didn't say good company cleanses bad character. He said that there's a corruptive, corrosive power in sin. You could say that sin is like spaghetti sauce. And it gets everything it touches stained, right? Now, the text goes in verse 14 to this place. So Haggai responded, this is how it is with this people and this nation, says the Lord. Look at me right now. Don't miss this. We're, we're going to wrap this thing up and put a bow on it. God speaks through his prophet and he says, this is how it is with this particular people and this nation. These people are struggling right now with this very thing. Everything they do and everything they offer Look at me, church. He says it's defiled by their sinfulness. He says it's defiled by the sinfulness in their lives. And he says because they have turned away, because their hearts are going after idols and not after me, because of that, God says, everything they do and everything they offer is defiled and stained by sin and not pleasing to me. We could say it this way, when our heart isn't right with God, then everything we do will be wrong. Do you agree with that? Because it's all about the heart. It's all about the motives. I want to say it again. It needs to sink in. When our heart is not right with God, then everything we do will be wrong. Now, I can hear some people pushing back on this. I don't know about that, Pastor. I, I, I just don't know if I agree with that. Well, if you are struggling with that, then turn over to the New Testament. I'll do it for you where Jesus said these words. He said, hey, if you're going to go to the church, listen to this. If you're going to go to the church one day and you want to give your offering, you're going to go up to the altar and you're going to lay your offering down. But first, when you're doing that, you remember that you have something in your heart against someone else. Whew. I see people picking feet up all over the room like, yeah, no, 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 no. Did you, did you hear that part right? 
He said, you're going to church. Zip-bidi-doo-dah, what a wonderful day, man. They've opened church back up. They're closing down a lot of other things, all this craziness. But we can still go to church. And, man, I've got my offering. I'm bringing it to the Lord. It's the day that the Lord has made. And I'll rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm going to come down. I'm going to give my, my offering to the Lord. Oh, God, thank you for all your blessings. And here, uh, well, <laughs> hold that thought. <laughs> um it just dawned on me. I've been really ticked off at my uncle. As a matter of fact, Lord, I'm more than ticked off, as you know already. We had some words this week, and we haven't spoken. Before I lay this at your feet, because my heart, listen to me, my heart just ain't right, as we say here in the South. I better go and do all I can in my power to make it right. I better, as Jesus said, first leave your gift there at the altar and go and make your relationship right. Get your heart right. Then you can come back and give your gift at the altar. Here's the deal, church. God is not really that concerned with your gift. Do you get that from this passage? Because I do. He's like, I don't need your gift. I created your gift. I created the heavens and the earth, and what? All, everything that is in them. I could give a flip about your gift, but what I do care about is the condition of your heart. That is everything to me. All of life flows out of the heart, the Bible tells us. And if your heart ain't right, then the rest of your life is stinking messy and ugly. And here's what he's saying to these people. Here's what he's saying to us today. You do all this stuff. You go through the motions. You play the game. You act the part. But guess what? I know your heart, and your heart is not right. Here's the reality of it. We either obey or we don't obey. There is no third option. There's no middle ground. Here, if you want to break it down to the most base level, we are soldiers of the cross. We are soldiers of the cross. We follow the orders of the Most High God, or we don't even know him. So if you want to pick and choose, you want to say, well, I can do that part, but I, I just don't feel right about that part. God doesn't really care about how you feel about that part. I've searched and studied and read. I don't see that anywhere in here. You do that if, if it feels right to you. You go ahead and do that if, if it sits well with you. Because I'm going to tell you, some of it just don't sit that easy. But it ain't supposed to. Because you know what that is? Look at here. That's flesh versus spirit. My flesh doesn't want the things of the Spirit of God. This flesh that I live in, this sinful nature that I was born into, guess what? It still is, is fighting. It hadn't given up. It's going to fight me till Jesus comes back. And I'm telling you what, I've got to defeat that daily. I've got to put that old man down. I've got to nail him to the cross. And I've got to make sure, make sure, make sure that my heart solely belongs to Christ. And whenever he asks something of me, whether it be easy, hard, or in between, my answer to him is always, yes, sir, whatever you want. Why? Because you gave this to me. You give me life. And that's what he's talking about to them and to us. He's saying, whatever it is that has your heart above me is an idol. And it's wrong. 
And if you read down through chapter 2 of Haggai, and there's only two little chapters there, you find out how God reminds his people. In verse 15, he says, look, look what was happening to you even before you lay the foundation of God's temple, of my temple. Okay, if you were here uh, uh, last week or week number one, you remember we talked about this. Before they laid the foundation, we looked at that verse that so many of the people identify with If you're drinking, but you're still thirsty, you're eating, but you're not full, you're putting your money in pockets with holes in it. In other words, you're doing everything you can to have meaning in this life, but you're still empty, as chapter 1 tells us. God's saying, you 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 know why that is? Because your heart's not right. And when your heart's not right, nothing else in this life is going to be. So here's what happens. Verse 16 says, When you hope for a 20-bushel crop, you harvest it only 10. We'll apply it to where we live today. You thought you were going to get paid $20 an hour, but when your paycheck came, it was only 10 bucks an hour. Feel good about that? Like, yes! I lost half my pay. That's awesome! Thank you! No, you're not feeling like that. You're marching into your boss's office and say, we've got a problem here, and I just want to show you right here on my paycheck. You promised me 20 bucks an hour. You only pay me 10 bucks an hour. Somebody's got to make retribution. I've got to have my money. Show me the money right now. And that's what God's saying here. You guys did all this stuff expecting these kinds of returns and these kinds of yields and your crops and everything else, but it didn't happen. And they're wondering why they're so empty. Next verse says, when you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. Okay, you're doing everything you could and just simply couldn't get ahead. Why do you think that is? Verse 17 is really tough where God says this. God said, I sent blight and mildew and hell to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Wow. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Appreciate that. God says, you're working your rear end off, and I sent blight and hell and mildew, and the reason you didn't get ahead is because I didn't let you. Woo, mercy. Now, if I'm honest with you, I, I, I really don't like that part of it. I mean, I'm just going to just be frank with you. I know I'm Robert, but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be frank as we say. I don't like that picture of God. I, I say that and I, I really say it with a nervous kind of, you know, no offense, God, but you, you say, I'm, I'm doing all this. I'm trying my best. And, and you, God, you sent these things to keep me from having my, my crops, my stuff. So then you can start like they started thinking, is it even worth it? I mean, why in the world would a, would a good God stop us from having provision when we're doing everything we can just to survive? What, what kind of God is that? And is that the God I, I want to serve? Is that a God that truly loves me? Why, why would God do that? Well, the next part of the passage, verse 17, again, he says, I sent blight and mildew and hell to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. And then God says, even so you refuse to return to me, says the Lord. There it is. Th- there's the reason. Now, now hold on with me. Don't, don't throw in the towel yet. You see, God is not trying to punish his people. Because I know some of you are probably thinking that, man, they they were doing everything they could, and God sends this stuff, and and it's just not working out for them. What's the deal? What kind of God is that? But, But hear this. God is not trying to punish his people. He doesn't want to punish us. Here is the end goal. Write it down somewhere, wherever you have to. 
God was trying to restore his people. That was the ultimate idea here. God was not trying to punish them. He was simply trying to restore them. Now, what I found about God is that sometimes God may not change your negative situation. Do you hear that this morning? Sometimes he may not change the negative situation. Sometimes he may not calm the storm, as the old song says. Sometimes he's trying to calm us in the storm. So, because God is trying to change something far more important, our hearts. That was the the whole point of this. There are times when God may not change our situation. He's trying to change our heart. Let me just say this. I'm really on thin ice right now. I know because this is some really tricky theological territory because what, what I'm not saying is this. I'm not saying if something bad is going on in your life right now, you deserve it and God is sending it. No. Do you understand that? Shake your head yes if you've got that. I understand, Pastor. I'm tracking with you. No, what I am saying is that we need to understand that sometimes God may allow something bad with a purpose to get our attention and draw our hearts where? Back to Him. I heard many years ago put put it like this, and and I've just loved it and held on to it for probably 25 or 30 years now. There's the demonic, there's the divine, and there's the just plain dumb. Sometimes God's, you know, doing something to pull our hearts back to him. Uh, Sometimes the enemy is allowed to do some stuff to us, mess with us to a certain point, just like with Job and all that. And sometimes we're just stupid. Right? We just do dumb things. The stove is red hot. Do not touch the stove. You'll burn your finger. Is it really? Mm, Just uh, Ah, yes, it is. Woo! You weren't lying. Whose fault is that? God calls that. Did the devil make you do it, as Flip Wilson used to say? No, you just did something dumb. But in this particular occasion, God did something to his people to say, you know what, your hearts aren't where they need to be. I need your heart. I need your allegiance. I need your obedience. And nothing short of that will do. So I'm just going to kind of see how this thing plays out when I push this button. Let's see if that will get your attention. Listen, there are times when God may allow things. But what's really loving to me is that God, what God did in this, all he did was cut off their supply. If you'll notice through this, he didn't make them sick. He didn't do something cruel. He just cut off their supply basically to get their attention to turn back to him. Oh, yeah, God, that's right. You are our provider. You are the one that controls the seasons, the seed, and everything else. We need you, God. Our hearts are coming back to you because if you haven't figured it out yet, church, more than anything else, God wants our hearts. The Bible says a promise to us, one of many, many, many promises. And that goes like this. If you seek me, with all your heart. You've you heard this before? If you seek me with all your heart, what happens? You will find me. Here's what happened with them, and God, please don't let it happen to us. He said, You used to love me, I used to be first. Your passion was for me. But now you've turned away and you've worshipped other idols. I want your heart. 
If you've heard that once, you've heard it 50 times this morning. I want your heart. I want to be first in everything. I want that Matthew 6, which Jesus said, to seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. God says, I want you to delight in me. I want you to enjoy me. I want you to seek after me. I want you to run to me. I want everything you are. I want the desires of your heart to be for me first and foremost. But what happened here was the delight of their heart turned away from God and to the idols of this world. And they began to chase those things. And everything came up empty because it always will. Even these thousands of years later, we can chase after fame, success, power, notoriety, riches, and all the glory of this world that it has to offer. And every time, I guarantee you, if you achieve those things, you will never achieve fulfillment because only God can bring that to our lives when we seek him first and nothing else. We're coming to a day. Let me back that up. We are in a day and time. We've arrived. Well, we're going to have to make some really hard choices as the people of God. Go with friend. Go with family. Go with the popular opinion of the day. Go with the cultural tide that's running a certain direction. Yield to the masses and the voices and the drum that's beating what the world system desires. Bow down to the golden statue that's erected in our modern day and time. Or when the music plays today, be the lone person standing when everyone else is bowed to the idols of this world our hearts and lives solely belong to Christ Jesus they didn't die on a cross they didn't spread their arms out they didn't allow their hands to be pierced with nails and their feet to be pierced they didn't sacrifice their precious life's blood to cleanse us and save us and give us life, purpose, and destiny. None of them paid that price for us. Not only does he desire our obedience and our allegiance in all things of his word and his commands, but I'm just going to let you in on this little secret that you probably already know. He alone deserves all of that from us and so much more. He deserves our everything, our passion, our priorities, all that we have to give as an offering and sacrifice and honor to him. He deserves it. Complete obedience. Hard, but right. You just close your eyes just for a moment. Like so many today, these folks, these folks started out well. They had great intentions. Their heart's desire was to serve God, to, to walk in that loving relationship that he created us for with him. And, and like so many of us, their, their attention and their allegiance 
And as we've seen, their hearts were drawn away from what really matters. If, if we could finish with that last song one more time, I, I just felt that would be appropriate and right for this moment that we have together. If you're watching online right now, I just want you to know I haven't forgotten about you. God is speaking to you, this message he's speaking to us in this room. And with your eyes closed for just another moment in here and maybe where you're at if, if possible. The end of the story is that there was a great revival and repentance. And God moved their hearts. The Holy Spirit brought about a love and allegiance to him from, from their lives. Because at the end of the day, we've got to realize and recognize as, as the people of God that we're either the people of God or we're not. And the criteria that is there for us is this thing called obedience. The Bible tells us obedience is better than sacrifice. I was listening to Dr. Tony Evans this morning as I was preparing to leave the house. Man, it just, it just hit me. He was talking about the same thing. He was talking about when in Revelation, the angel came from God and spoke to the church at Ephesus. He said, man, you guys are doing great. You're taking care of the church. You're ministering to the needs. You're loving on the people in the community. You're doing all the things that we're called to do and we're created to do as the church of Jesus Christ. But then the conversation turned on this one word, but, or nevertheless, I have this against you, this one thing. And here it is, church. And man, you talk about dancing out of the house, but also having tears in my eyes. He said, this one thing, you have left your first love. Dr. Evans was walking through what that looks like for all of us to get so consumed in the things of this world, to get so caught up in our own priorities, to, to let life come in, to let, let the systems of, of this world uh, kind of pull us away, to let false doctrine and everything else and all the stuff that's competing for our allegiance and our obedience to come in and pull us away. From that first love. And as I drove over here to the church, I just thank God. As a matter of fact, I, I, I continued playing that message on my phone as I got here because I didn't want to miss anything. And I sat out in the truck and, and listened. And man, that pounding, resounding, crystal clear message to us today, right now, in this holy moment, whether you're in this room or you're watching today or the days ahead is come back. Come back. I'm here. I love you. Come back to your first love. So just looking around this room, I don't want to invite you to raise your hand. I don't want to ask you to do anything like that that we do at times. I just want to ask you this. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and your life now about coming back to your first love surrendering your life to Christ in full obedience in everything even the hard things especially the hard things would you just come and join me right now at the front of this church as we pray 
and we sing together and we surrender everything in our lives to the one who gave everything of his life for us. Would you come now across this room, make your way. Those of you watching, if you would just reach out to us, just comment now, just let us know. Thank you, thank you. God's moving on hearts and lives right now. I believe he's moving on some people to say, here it is, Lord. I lay it on the altar of sacrifice. I give it to you, God. I surrender it, Lord. It's been a stronghold in my life. But here's what I want you to know. Obedience not only brings blessing, but it brings breakthrough. So whatever that stronghold is in your life that you've been dealing with, fighting, battling for so long now, just give it up. And you say, Pastor, that sounds easy. I'm saying hand it to Jesus right now and, and keep your hands off of it. Trust Him with it. Obey Him. Obey Him right now. How many others would come and stand with these right now? They're at the front of this church. How many of you would say, you know what, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters. I just want to come and rally around them. Would you make your way down right now as well? God is here to move. If we just listen and obey and respond in obedience, the Lord is here through the power of the Holy Spirit. Been here all day, was waiting on us to get here, and now we're here for such a time as this. Would everybody else stand to your feet across your, this room as these folks are making their way down? And I want you to join up with somebody. I want you to put a hand on their shoulder. I want you to put an arm around them. We're supposed to social distance, Pastor. I, I, no, no, make a point of contact right now. Just do that right now. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for taking care of us. We thank you that you care enough about every part of our lives that you show up to, to speak to us, to teach us, to draw us back to you. You just don't write us off and say, that's it, I'm done with you. You've turned your back on me 20 times now, so just go your way. I'll go mine. We'll just do life apart. No! You're that kind and loving Heavenly Father that continues to draw us back. Just like you deal with the prodigal, you never left. You always looked. You always scanned the horizon knowing that one day, believing that one day, that your son was going to come back home. That our hearts were going to be attuned to you as they're supposed to be, as we're created to be, God. So right now, every one of these folks that responded in this room and everyone that's responding, watching right now, let their hearts just fall in love with you fresh and new. God, let them come back to their first love. Let them know who you are in the depths of everything they are, God, that you are their God, that you are with them and you'll never forsake them, that you are bringing the breakthrough that is desperately needed, God, because of who you are and your great love for us and your words over us and the direction that you're pointing us in. And God, the purpose in which you created us for, God, we surrender to that, God. And even the hard things that are very uncomfortable and very difficult and our flesh battles against God. Lord, help us to crucify the flesh and all of its worldly desires to the cross in our own lives. And Lord, let that spirit man come and take charge, Lord. Rise up through the power of the Holy Spirit and go to where we need to go to, God. I see that right now in the heavenlies. I see, God, I prophesy that, that we will rise up, Lord. We will overcome the flesh, and we will be the people that you desire for us to be, full of the Holy Ghost and power, moving out in this dark world to shine your light bright amongst the nations. Help us, God. Cover us, Lord. Lord, I just had Joey and Kelly and the Weed family just hit my heart right now, God. Cover them. Help them right now, God. In the land of Honduras, they have planted themselves to be a lighthouse for the kingdom of God. 
And that's a hard thing to do, God. But they responded, and right now, I just pray you're covering, you're anointing upon them, God. I just pray that you relight the fire fresh and new, that your power, God, just visits them right now. They don't even understand. They don't even realize it, God. But you do what you do best, God. Lord, as you spoke to us in our pre-service meeting out of Isaiah 61, you said you would bring the oil of joy and replace the spirit of heaviness. God, do that now to us as a congregation with all the pressing of life that has come down on us in the recent weeks and months and for some people in, in the recent years, God, I just pray that that pressing be removed and the oil of joy, the gladness of the Holy Spirit would come and baptize us from our head to our toes, God, and we would live in the joy of the Lord that is our strength and we would cast off the heaviness of this world, God. In Jesus' name, I declare it to be so. I speak it to be so. Thank you, Lord, for your power, your glory. And we surrender our all to you today, Jesus. And one more time, we're going to lift up a voice, lift up our hands, and we're going to worship God as a family today. Church, jump in. Give him everything you got right now. He is worthy of all of our praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.